0: Truth fall fresh on us tonight, Lord. Pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You guys have to see. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. How are we doing tonight, Salt? <laughs> Good to see you tonight. We are uh, getting after if this is your first time, welcome to Salt. Been meeting new people every week. It's like one of the highlights of my week for sure. My name's Ryan. I'm on staff here. Would love to meet you, uh, man. God's doing a ton still at this point in the year people are getting saved still people are going and making disciples it is encouraging uh, to have a front row seat for all that um we're going to be continuing through we got a couple weeks left in our road to Emmaus series uh road to Emmaus is referencing a story where Jesus after resurrecting from the dead finds two guys on the road opens up his old testament hey guys give up for Mikey Stewart look at this appreciate it Mike Somebody hid the sand, but Mikey saved the day. Uh, yeah, Jesus talking to these people on the road opens up his Old Testament, shows them how the whole thing is about Himself, and their hearts catch on fire and they worship Him, and that's what we're doing here as well. So we're gonna get into it. If you guys want to open up your Bibles to Isaiah 61, you can meet me there in a bit. Um, let me ask this: What is the uh, worst thing that you like? What's what's like the worst crime um, that people could commit? in this day and age. I'll tell you what it is. Um, it's really, really simple, and it's not uh, maybe what you're thinking. Just say something offensive. That is literally the gold standard of um, injustice these days. It's uh, You want to really make somebody mad, you want to really get in trouble, just say something that somebody else thinks is offensive. Um, nobody is, you know, nobody doesn't know what I'm talking about. Um, what's, what's the punishment for this? Uh, it's not jail time, it's not... Uh, anything like that, it's worse, you get canceled, amen, amen, yeah, you say something offensive and you get canceled, Uh, that is kind of the low of the low in our day and age, we've all seen that happen for sure, that's been us maybe a time or two, well, it's interesting when I'm looking at Jesus' life, who lived perfectly, who never said a deceitful word, and did everything in the perfect completion of truth and love, Jesus offended a lot of people. Really, really interesting to think about that. Jesus offended a lot of people. And tonight, I'm just I'm looking at Luke 4. That's what that makes me think of. Luke 4 is a story where Jesus offends some people. The craziest thing happens, right? He, he's going to church, right? He's going to the synagogue on the Sabbath, like he does every single week. And by the end of his weekly church visit, the lifelong synagogue pals, if you will, his church buddies, had taken him to the edge of a cliff and were trying to murder him. Okay. How offensive of a thing would you have to say for people to have to try and throw you off of a cliff? What in the world happened? Um, we're we're going to get there. I'm going to tell you what happened. This is, this is what's, what's going on in Jesus' Uh, turn to read from the Old Testament, right? He's there, he's in synagogue. Uh, They hand him the scroll of Isaiah and Jesus gets up and and he reads these words. And this is from Luke 4, 18 through 21. The verse will be on the screen. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. Jesus takes the scroll, reads Isaiah 61, says something mystical about the scripture being fulfilled. And within hours, he is being taken to the edge of a cliff to be killed for what he said. Why is that so offensive? Well, we're going to unpack this in Isaiah 61 together, and this is what we're going to see, guys. The big idea of tonight, blessed is the one who's not offended by Jesus. You're going to see what that means later, but blessed is the one who's not offended by Jesus. Okay, and here's kind of the plan um, where I'm going tonight. We're going to break down what Jesus read from Isaiah 61, and then I'm going to ask a couple questions that might be offensive tonight from... From this passage. I'm going to ask a couple of questions that might be offensive, and then I'm going to end with a plea for you to not be offended. Sound good? Good? Say good. We're good? All right, sweet. Well, don't get too comfortable. Um, this is verse 1 of Isaiah 61. We're going to, you, you heard me just read this kind of from Jesus' words, but this is how the prophet penned it in the Old Testament. He says this, the spirit of the Lord God is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners. Okay, this is Isaiah, a prophet, speaking of future things to come, inspired by the Spirit of God, penning these words. But in Luke, we see Jesus picking up on this and taking the words on himself, saying, claiming that these are words about him. Okay, he says today as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. In other words, the prophet Isaiah was talking about somebody other than himself. He was pointing forward to a greater prophet, to a liberator, to a messiah, and Jesus is saying that messiah is me. I am the one Isaiah 61 is pointing to. The one Israel has been waiting for them to be saved by. This is me. He's standing right in front of you. And Jesus in these verses, in uh isaiah 61 he's describing his mission jesus is describing why he came to earth in the first place he's describing the goal of his life and it was this it was to proclaim good news heal broken hearts free prisoners i i think that sounds great like that doesn't really sound offensive to me I, i don't know what they were all mad about but how does that sound to you it sounds pretty good so far right Like, Jesus is coming to do a lot of good things. Fine, sweet. Well, how confusing if you were in Nazareth. You're a member of this little synagogue, even your whole life been watching this little Jesus kid grow up. Now he's a 30-year-old man, and he's getting up and saying these things. I mean, this is the carpenter's son, right? This is Joseph's son. Maybe Jesus, like, built your back deck, right? Like, this is how familiar familiar you are with this dude. And now he's claiming that the spirit of the Lord God is on him. Okay, they lean in, they're, they're a little confused, but their imagination is captivated, they're curious, but Jesus goes on and he says a little bit more in Luke 4. I'm not gonna read it, but this is the gist of what he's saying in Luke 4. He tells them, yeah, this is what I've come to do, this is who I am, but there's a huge problem with it. The problem is that I came to bring good news to the poor, but you don't actually believe that you are spiritually poor. I came to heal the broken, but you don't understand what that actually means. You don't understand that you're broken. I came to free captives, but it's more than just liberation from the Romans. This is between you and God. And actually, if you think that you're entitled to God just because of the religion of your family, you're missing the point. To qualify for salvation... To qualify for eternal life with God, guys, it doesn't take entitlement. It takes desperation. Desperation, not entitlement. It's it's the sick that need a doctor, not the healthy. And in the same way, Jesus is saying that my good news, it isn't for the good people who are just, everything's good. Who don't think they need any help. That's not good news at all. It's going to be for the worst people out there who desperately need saving. It's not what he said that took him to the cliff, right? It's not what Jesus said that got him taken to the edge of a cliff. It was the hardness of the hearts of the people he was talking to that took him to the cliff. I wanna ask you this question, but, you know, are you offended that Jesus came to save sinners? Are you offended that Jesus came to save sinners? And like, you wanna see somebody take offense to some? just tell them that Jesus is Lord, and they have no hope outside of him. That's a great way to quickly stir up some awkwardness and some tension in the room, right? You guys ever tried that? It might be easy in here, but we know the moment we leave here, that is going to be a hard thing to do. Because Saul I just want to tell us this: we are not entitled to a relationship with God. We are sinful. We are not less desperate in here than people who are out there. We don't have all of our stuff together. Like, if you were raised in a church or you come from a good family, um, I just want to, like, tell you gently, like, you are not magically just a Christian because of that. Like, you know, I, we talk about your stories a lot. We sit down for leadership interviews. It's like, tell me about when you become a Christian. It's like, yeah, I was always a Christian. I was born into a Christian family. I went to church my whole life. And I'm telling you guys, if you are righteous in your own eyes because of where you grew up or what your family has done or the religious activity that you have done, um, if you think that makes you right with God and if you think because of that you deserve eternity with God, then maybe it's not you who qualifies to be saved. It's more likely the drunken heathen who lives down your dorm hall. If Jesus came for the poor, guys, if he came for the poor in spirit, if he came for the brokenhearted, if he came for the captives, it seemed like we'd won in on that which sounds kind of weird to say, but that's true, right? And here's the cool part. We do have that. That is what's true about us before we know Jesus. That is describing us. Revelation 3 actually says it in a, in a cool way. Um, he, Jesus is talking to another church, and he says, "'For you say I'm rich. "'I've become wealthy and need nothing.'" And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Guys, Jesus isn't saying that in Revelation 3 to like a band of convicts, right? He's saying that to a church. People who call themselves Christians. So how can we, are we poor in spirit? Like, are we humble? Do we know that we don't actually deserve the kingdom of heaven? Are we broken over injustice and sin in this world? Or are we just kind of proud and like happy that we have it really, really good where we are? I don't wanna know about what else is happening in the world. Like, are we sick of uh, like the chains of sin that are on us that we keep putting back on us? Or are, we, are we sick of that? Or do we just kind of flaunt around in our rebellion and say, ah, I've got grace. If we recognize our need for God, you will find God. But you might be offended by Jesus saving sinners if you actually don't see yourself as a sinful person, guys. Um, It might be offensive to think that Jesus came to save sinners. What other offensive things can we find here? Um, Verse two says this, the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance. So if you guys are looking at Isaiah 61 and you're looking back at Luke 4 and Isaiah 61, you're going to see something kind of interesting. Jesus in Luke 4, when he's in the synagogue, doesn't actually read the whole verse. Like he's quoting Isaiah, but he actually stops midway through a sentence. Um, He says he's here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, but then he just stops. He leaves out that there's also a day of God's judgment coming, of his vengeance. Why does Jesus leave that out? Well, he's making a really strong point, a really hope-filled but strong point. He's saying that today, as Jesus speaks these words, today is a day of grace and salvation. Tomorrow, there is judgment, though. Right now, if Jesus is speaking this over you and you hear his words, if you guys even here tonight are hearing Isaiah 61 read over you and Jesus saying that he has come for broken, sinful people, there is still hope. Today is that year of the Lord's favor. It's the day of salvation. Jesus is available to every single person in here tonight. You have time to receive the Lord's favor. Forgiveness is on the table for all of us. When he reads this, this in Luke 4, he's saying that's what his first coming to earth is all about. But don't be mistaken and don't be naive. There will be a second coming. There will be a second coming when it's not a year of favor. It's a day of God's vengeance and a day of judgment on sin. You guys feel uncomfortable with that? A little bit? Adds a little tension to the room. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 and 8. Paul Paul talks about it like this. He says, this will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels. This second coming, right? This day of vengeance. When he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. There's going to be a second coming. But where we are now, Romans 2, Paul describes like this. He says, do you despise the riches of his kindness? restraint, his patience, not recognize that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Jesus' point here is really, really clear in what he's doing. He says he's given all of us time to turn away from our sin. Forgiveness is on the table. We can turn from our sin, we can turn to him, but there still will be a day when all evil, unjust, wicked things are dealt with. This is something we don't really want to talk about, I know, but I have to ask are you offended that Jesus will one day judge sinners? Are you offended that judgment is actually a part of God's plan? Guys, I, I had a friend here for years, uh, a guy I was incredibly close with, and he, he had lost his mom years prior, and his mom wasn't a believer. His mom didn't know Jesus. Um, and this was really, really hard for him for him to say that he believes in this is for him to say that he actually thinks his mom is separated from God forever how do you comfort somebody like that there was a lot of weight on him a lot of wrestling and a lot of questioning and eventually i don't yeah he just he didn't he didn't want to hear it anymore and I haven't seen him in a long time, but a lot of us, we've wrestled through this stuff. We've thought about this. You've, you've sat in that tension before and felt that gut rot, but man, like, if God is really loving, wouldn't he just forgive everybody? That's what I would do, right? Have you ever, ever said something like that? Well, I don't know, man. We, we have no problem with... a a father defending his family if somebody breaks into their house to murder them. We have no problem with the father destroying that intruder. But we think like, man, who is Jesus to avenge sin? Who is Jesus to protect those he loves? Who is Jesus to destroy evil? And I think a lot of times, guys, we think that we're a better judge than God, that we understand the dynamics of good and evil and how to defend his glory better than he does, but he doesn't actually need our help. And as hard as that is to stomach and as hard as that is to to talk about and sit in this idea of judgment, it calls us to a great place of faith, but it also calls us to a great place of comfort, knowing that God is for us and he can be for anybody. No, I think, sadly, guys, we have a very small view of sin, and that leads to a really narrow view of God and who we want him to be. We don't want to hear that helplessly sinful people, that we are helplessly sinful people without Jesus. We don't want to believe that sin has eternal consequences. Guys, maybe these are reasons that somebody would want to throw Jesus off a cliff. Right? But, but I want this. Um, I want us to be people who aren't offended by Jesus, but are people who worship Jesus, who are confronted with the truth of what he has to bring to the table. And instead of taking personal offense or cultural, or whatever type of offense we can find. What if his words turned us into worshipers? What's that like? What's it like for the sinner who's been forgiven? What kind of blessing does he have for you? Well, I wanna make now, just for the second half of this, a plea to not be offended by Jesus, okay? Me pleading with you from Isaiah 61 to not be offended by Jesus okay the first thing is this don't be offended receive his joy instead of despair don't be offended receive his joy instead of your, this is what verses two and three say of Isaiah 61 the Lord has anointed me to comfort all who mourn to provide for those who mourn in Zion to give them a crown of beauty instead of a crown of ashes festive oil instead of mourning and splendid clothing instead of despair the three instead of. So you see that in there See that, give me this instead of this, this instead of that, this instead of that. A great exchange. Jesus actually, guys, wants to make a trade with you tonight. He wants to make a trade with you tonight. His mission, it looks like him hunting down the saddest, most distraught people in the world, leaning in closer than any friend or parent has ever leaned into them and giving the most comforting hug that you could ever imagine do you see here how he provides your ashes replaced with royalty no more crying just anointing you like he's anointed like setting you apart, smearing you with oil, almost like somebody's getting knighted. Just like he was anointed, he wants to anoint you. He's raising you up to where he is and he's making you a royal priesthood. He's bringing you into his family. He's putting the best wedding clothes ever on you. Christian, you are a sinner turned saint. This is what's coming for you if you have traded your sin for his righteousness. Trade your sin and your despair for his joy and his hope. And this is not a happiness that a rainy or cold day can take away. His joy is eternal. And when he gives it to you, your joy is eternal. That is his promise to you. It gets a lot of press. All the offensive stuff gets a lot of press. But if you ever just stop and just ponder and think about how kind God is to you. Isn't that amazing? The God of the universe, the judge, the Almighty is kind to you. How has that changed your life? When I woke up the other night, because I had turned off the heat in my house, and I woke up shivering with my cat shivering on me, and it was 50 degrees in my house because the temperature dropped like 60 stinking degrees in one day, What kept me from just picking up and moving to Mexico the next day? It's because I looked at my weather app. My weather app promised me that tomorrow would be better. Guys, trading your mourning and your despair for joy does not mean like a Lego movie thing is all of a sudden like everything is awesome, is the song playing over your entire life. But it does mean that you have an eternal hope that outweighs the darkest despair that you can face in this life. Despair, guys, it's the complete loss of hope. It's complete hopelessness, and Jesus wants to trade his joy for that despair. That's not a fair trade, but I think we should take it every single time, amen? This is what you guys can do when you're filled with this joy and when you're filled with this hope. First thing, you can cry differently. You might still cry in this life. You will, I promise you, Unless you're a stinking robot in here, you will cry in this life. But when Jesus' friend Lazarus died, guess what he did? He wept. He wept even though he knew he would raise him up back to life. Jesus wept because he hated how sin and death vandalized his world and his friends. But 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14 says, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep or dead so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope, who have despair. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring him those who have fallen asleep. That's you, Christian, when you die. Death is not the end. And that means even our worst days don't define our lives. And it's crazy. God doesn't ignore your tears and tell you to toughen up and get over it. No. Psalm 56, six eight says God, like, catches those tears and puts them in bottles. I don't know what that means, but he's taking inventory. That's how near and caring he is to you. I don't know what he plans to do with those in eternity. If he's like gonna, we roll up, he's just gonna smash them right in front of us. I don't know if he's gonna turn them into something cool like a waterfall. I don't know, but he's got them. He's got your tears. What's he up to? It's gonna be something beautiful. We need to cry differently when we are in Christ. But the second thing is we need to move towards broken people. Like Jesus in Psalm 6, or Isaiah 61 is moving towards broken people, hurting people, helpless, desperate people. We now get to do the exact same thing for other people. Because you know what's true, guys? I was just thinking about this today, how crazy this is. Every single person that you have ever encountered has reason for despair, Every single person has a story with really really low lows that has really shaped them into the person that you are meeting in that moment. Are we looking for that? Are we are we noticing that? Are we looking past the facade or are we giving people a facade even or are we getting real with people? We who have Christ have every single thing that somebody needs to have joy, and to have hope forever. Guys, I was at disc golfing with my golf buddies the other day. Not golf buddies. Disc golfing is way better than golf. And I was out there, because I'm not rich, and we're out there, and this familiar face walks up. And I'm like, hey, I know you. You're a dude at my favorite restaurant, right? Like, you're a waiter there. He's like, oh my gosh, yeah, totally. I remember you. Like, what's up? This guy's really good with faces. He's like a got like a really really good waiter face he's smiling all the time he's really loud and excited you would think he's the most joyful person ever and as we were going disc golfing i find out this is one of the most broken and sad people i've ever met in my life he was pretty open with me he was an agnostic he didn't want to believe in anything because he thought there was more freedom in that he had run away from home as a little kid and emancipated he doesn't have any family. He has tattoos of different religions on his body kind of as a joke. And I was like, dude, can I please just sit down with you and hear your story sometime? This is a dude who just walked right up to me with the biggest smile on his face and 10 minutes in, I found out he was in despair. And this is not like a, oh, I'm a hero type of story. No, we'll hold me to it if I... I need to go hang out with this guy. But I'm telling you, this is a type, this guy is a type of every single person that you encounter. God have mercy. Will I run towards that person or will I run away from them? Will we look towards the hopeless guys? We should. Because like Jesus was anointed with oil, setting him apart for his mission, his people, us, we are now anointed with that same festive oil, deputized to join with him in giving joy to everybody who would accept it. There's no time to hold on to our own offenses, right? There's no time to be offended when Jesus' face is shining upon us and we see that smile is for us. Praise God. Don't be offended, but actually... Just receive that joy finally guys don't be offended it's my final plea If you not be offended don't be offended receive his righteousness instead of your sin how beautiful is verse three this last verse we're going to handle tonight it says they will be called righteous trees planted by the lord to glorify him this is what's coming for you christian this is who he is already creating you to be many of you guys have been following jesus for a really long time now um you may have became a Christian when you were a kid or early in college and you're still doing it um, and you're just like really tired right now, this whole Christianity thing. You're tired of kind of messing up in the same old ways. You're tired of still not feeling like total freedom from that temptation that you just can't seem to shake, all that stuff. Um, you're exhausted. but. Jesus, guys, is offering you a better vision for your life than just, man, I don't know if I could do this for another 50, 60, 70 years. I don't know if I'm gonna make it another 50 years, man. Jesus is actually offering you a better vision for your life than being weak and being a failure who's holding on by a thread with shallow roots, guys. He says that he can make you into a strong oak of righteousness, immovable rooted strong beautiful always bearing fruit and always glorifying god because christian it's god who made you god who planted you and god is growing you and god is sustaining you and god will take you to the end and he will get the glory some of you guys are terrified to die right Even Christians, like you're terrified to die because you don't know what it's going to be like to stand before God. Like what is he going to say to you? Isaiah 61 does tell you what he's going to say, that you will be called righteous. A tree planted by God for God. And God will be glorified in his people. I bet you guys are wondering from Luke 4 if Jesus got thrown off that cliff or not, huh? Well, he didn't. Um, Some weird twist in the story. He just kind of like evaded them. They were taking him to the cliff and I don't know. There's some different what people think, commentators think. uh, Jesus just didn't get thrown off the cliff. He evaded them. It was not his time yet. But just a couple years after that, it would be his time, right? Where he was led up a hill again and he would be willing to die to be pinned up on a bloody beam by the people who had spent a lot of time around Jesus. But they never believed that he was Messiah, the Messiah of Isaiah 61. Saul company, that cannot be us. We cannot be a people who are so familiar with Jesus, watching him grow before our very eyes, comfortable with him being around, just another person in the room, familiarity Jesus Christ is Lord and this is the day of his salvation when we look at the cross of Jesus dying for our poverty our brokenness our captivity it's all coming to let's not be offended let's worship so I'm going to pray for us I'm going to pray for you guys now um, Lord there are anywhere from 99% to 100% of people in here who still struggle with doubt. And God, we, uh, we're we looking at this and I think most of us are saying, God, I want to believe that, but help my unbelief. And it, it reminds me, God, of John the Baptist just a few chapters later in Luke 7. One of the greatest Christ followers the world has ever seen, if not the greatest, um, is recorded as, as saying this. He sends out his people and they go to Jesus and say, hey, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who is to come or would we expect someone else? And at that time, Jesus, he healed many people of diseases, afflictions, evil spirits, and he granted sight to many blind people. And Jesus said to John's people, he said, go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. Those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news. And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. Jesus, would you bless us tonight? God, would we not be offended by you, but would we have faith in you? Would we come to the end of ourselves tonight and... Uh, yeah god just say we're here to worship you we want to be planted like oaks of righteousness who will bear our fruit to the glory of god for all eternity but god that's a supernatural act we can't do that on our own we need you to come and and save us and to produce that fruit in us god send your spirit anoint us as you were anointed heal us free us Open our eyes. Send us out, God. So that we can join in this ministry that you came to earth to do, Jesus. Anoint us with your spirit tonight. And would these songs as we close tonight, would they be a sweet, sweet song, a sweet sound to your ear? God, would this place be just a house of worship? We love you so much, Lord. Amen.